0: Hello, this is Susan Smith Nash and you're listening to Thoughts on E-learning. And anyway, today I'd like to talk a little bit about what e-learning might look like in 2016. And I also want to to take a look at unschooling, which is also called deschooling or unlearning. And basically I'm responding to Tama's e-learning blog and the query what will e-learning look like in 2016, 10 years from now? And, you know, personally, I think it will be completely different in terms of delivery. And I also think there will be more rigidly defined camps, at least with respect to instructional design and the ideal structure of course content. And I'm saying that because I think that we're going to have the traditionalists that are going to get even more and more and narrowly defined in terms of outcome-based outcomes-based testing no-child-left-behind types of things and the other side I think is going to be dialectically opposed You know, on, on the, it's going to be like an incredible dialectic because we'll have on the other side the antithesis which would be like utopian experiments and a kind of unschooling movement I think that will take off in a big way so for those of you who would like to see Tama's e-learning blog, it's located at tama.edublogs.org. Tama is Tama Lever, who is working at the University of Western Australia. He's involved in re- research in the future, as well as past and present of e-learning and teaching. So first of all, delivery in 2016. I think that what we now call smartphones will be highly evolved. Just think of the early calculators versus today's calculators. So to say, okay, more power, lower price. I think more individuals will be taking courses with mobile devices and they will expect audio, video, and text. And I think that we won't have to have things loaded on anything. I think that things will be a lot more easily downloadable. They will be available in in real time and and all the updates, etc. will be available, grabbable, (laughs) accessible on the net. We'll probably have a second net, not like we had, you know, the world wide web too, but it'll be something different. I think there will be an alternative net somewhere. Um, Competing philosophies with respect to course content. I believe we will see the new traditionalists. They will be rigid, will have templated courses, all with the same look and feel, clearly de- defined elements, outcomes, goals, assessment, course content, activities. It'll, it will be template on steroids. Think of your basic learning management system. Think of it even more locked down and rigid. That will be the new traditionalist. I think we'll also see a lot more multiplayer, serious games and simulations. Heavy emphasis on immersion-type learning. Heavy emphasis on the application of knowledge to realistic situations. Simulations, decision-making. And I think that the multiplayer facet will result in a focus on social learning, there's a big drawback. Because this is so highly culturally inflected, as well as dependent on dependent on fast connections and the latest technologies, I think it will appeal to some learners more than others. But it's pretty cool to think of this, this kind of way of learning um, socially in um, a mentored guided experience. Um, but the thing is, with a lot of role play, it could be kind of strange. And um, there there are a lot of positive sides and a lot of fairly weird sides. <laughs> Three, unlearning. This is going to be huge in the future. And I think it's going to be um, a result of a backlash that will form in response to what is considered to be a rigidity of course content delivery and organization and you know needless to say it's a response to no child left behind and the people who have found that that is not accommodating to all cultural groups or in- individuals with diverse learning styles so let's just go into a meditation on unlearning unschooling and deschooling it's incredibly exciting isn't it the idea of deschooling um, I keep thinking of, who was the pre- president who never, ever set step foot inside a classroom ever? Andrew Johnson taught himself to read, never was in any kind of formal schooling. And I, wow, <laughs> the guy was educated, but he did never took an achievement test, right? Crazy, huh? Well, I think that we are always going to have people who will look to education and the um, the um, nurturing of, of s- students of children in a utopian way, and they will will be very motivated by different models that reject. Um, the the kind of, I'd say, probably eternal verities you know, memorizing <laughs> and rote memorization and regurgitation. Um. well, I you know I I don't know it it would be interesting. I mean, imagine a completely unstructured environment. Imagine a completely quote deschooling experience. No rote memorization. No um rigid um classes no multiple choice tests nothing like that and that they're supposedly you know supposed to be democratic schools so so you're thinking wow what do you do just play video games all day yes <laughs> no not really i suppose that there are some rules like you can't just sit and play um You know, Vice City, (laughs) or or some you know like highly intriguing video game all day. I mean, you have to you have to do something. But I digress. Sudbury Valley School, founded 1968, located in Framingham, Massachusetts. The school offers unstructured, mentored education for children ages seven to nineteen. No schedules, no requirements, no required cu- curriculum, no assessments. Structured around New England town meeting, guiding principles are voted on. Yes, it's utopian. It has also inspired an entire host of similar schools located throughout the world. It's intriguing. I wonder what it would have been, li- what it, what it would have been like to have gone to something like that. What do the children actually learn? What are they like when they graduate? Are educators accountable for the outcomes? How many graduates go on to college? Other schools, Blue Ridge Discovery School, Lynchburg, Virginia, follows the Sudbury model. Emphasis on an environment that fosters creativity, curiosity, whetting the desire for discovery. Photos look good. They show happy children engaged in the process of exploring their world. I'm reminded of the ideas of John Dewey, who urged individuals to participate in social and experiential learning. Daniel Greenberg's Free at Last describes the experience of working with children, who became captivated by a topic and worked feverishly with absolute passion to learn all they could about it. Achievement tests at the Circle School a democratic or discovery school, were amazing. Um, quite impressive. I'm not sure, though, that they would completely allay my misapprehensions if I were a parent thinking about schooling alternatives. I don't know. <laughs> it's a question. The Segoe Lily School focuses on passion, play, responsibility. Located in Utah, the school emphasizes acceptance of individual difference. It encourages students to play, to explore. So from a cognitive point of view, unschooling seems to build education on the development of self-efficacy through self-determination. Bandura has written extensively on the positive impact that results when a person believes He or she is capable of doing what is needed to successfully accomplish a task. Self-determination is fostered through choice, and the freedom to align one's interests with their activities. On a theoretical basis, if you look at that, and you also think about cognitive apprenticeships, hmm, unschooling could work. I, for one, would really like to explore it a lot more in depth. So, this is Susan Smith-Nash, and I am musing on e-learning and can't wait to hear your comments. So please email me, and I will talk to you soon. Thank you very much for listening.